I was like, holy crap, this is cool that we're being like trusted to do this. Because colonialism is a really heavy subject, in my opinion. And to let a bunch of high schoolers basically have free range on designing a board is pretty nice. This is High Tech High Unboxed. I'm Alec Patton, and that was the voice of Layla Jonas. In that clip, Layla's talking about the colonialism project, which paired the indigenous history of Canada with skateboard design. It took place four years ago. Layla was a senior at the time. I first heard about this project from an Instagram post from an indigenous-owned Canadian skate company called Colonialism. The Instagram post said the following. Sal's skate shop was asked to present once again at the 2023 Edmonton CTS-CTF Teachers Conference. I wanted to know why a skate shop was presenting at a teacher's conference not once, but twice. So I looked it up and found out that Sal's Skate Shop was actually a class at Salisbury Composite High School in Sherwood Park, just outside Edmonton, Canada, created by veteran teacher and lifelong skater Christian Basaraba. This episode is about that class, and in particular, the Colonialism Project. One of the many things I love about this story is that this is project-based learning at its most punk rock. Christian doesn't teach at a school that's known for project-based learning. He didn't do this as part of a larger initiative. He just had an awesome idea and he made it happen. Christian's teaching career started in a small town in the province of Alberta, Canada. He taught there for seven years, then got tired of the commute. He lived in the city of Edmonton, so he moved schools to Salisbury Composite High School just outside the city. They call it the mothership. Oh, you've been a summoned to the mothership. They see it as this place that all of the best teachers go, which um, we know that that's not true, but you know, a lot of people want to be at that school because it's so big and, and you know, has a good reputation. Christian taught at Salisbury, that is the mothership, for eight years, then moved across the street to Next Step, an outreach school. I would define outreach as the school for students that are at risk, at risk of, of not completing. But not only at-risk youth, there was also students that we had who were the traditional high school timetable just didn't work because they were high-level athletes and they were training for something. Although Next Step was across the street from Salisbury, as far as reputation, it was basically the opposite of the mothership. Because at the time, that school didn't really have a good reputation for students and or teachers. It was almost oh, if you're not a very good teacher, you go to Next Step, or what do you want to deal with the Next Step students? They're nothing but druggies and, and that sort of thing. And that kind of got me excited because it was it's kind of punk rock, you know. It's at Next Step that things get interesting. It all starts in the staff room. And it was me literally sitting at my staff room table, and we have our ATA, Alberta Teacher Association magazine, and it has you know, articles and whatnot in there. And there was an ad that I saw for social justice grants of upwards of you know, $1,500 that this organization, the Alberta Federation of Labor Education, you know, all you had to do is proposal for some sort of social justice topic and they'll give you money. So I got this grant. So if I look at all of the other projects that I've done that have been kind of grant funded, I always had this kind of skeleton idea in my brain where it's, so I want my students to create something generally kind of artistic in the vein of skate culture, punk culture, fashion, those things that are of interest to me. And I wanted them to work with someone that I knew who was really good at that. And so that's how I tend to kind of model. It's like, okay, I want students to work with this person. I'm going to use the grant money to pay for their time and then pay for supplies to get my students this kick-ass or this rad 
project, which I think my mind is rad. <laughs> and hopefully the students think that. And so that was with the street art project that my friend Adrian, how I met him was really through social media and Instagram. And so he had street art moniker, he called himself Think Item. Uh, and then it was through that that I, and we kind of became friends. He was doing some stuff with some bands and, and just kind of struck up a friendship. And I just reached out and said, hey, I want to do this project with my students about street art. Would you become, come in and like work with them? you know, and do a number of workshops. And he was, yeah, yeah, totally. So I wanted to do social justice and street art. So what my students had to do was pick a social justice issue and create some art. And so we started with an album cover. So I got these like 12 inch by 12 inch pieces of wood. And that's where Adrian started. He was teaching them how to make stencils and we had spray paint. It was just students who weren't really artistic per se, made these super rad pieces of art so we had these album covers and then we transitioned into doing buttons with that image and then they did stickers that had this uh, social justice message and then they did t-shirts so they had this portfolio of sorts around this one particular image and, and the workshops that he did that art on the walls in my school and i remember my principal saying to me he's like in all the years that i've been here we've never had student artwork on the walls in our school and i was like wow that's that's crazy to me <laughs> and so i used that model just again so you talked about the protest song so the protest song was like well i want to do some music kind of thing and my friend uh, is a musician he well i could say i'm a musician i sing in a bad religion cover band called dad religion he's the bassist so me and, and Braden, his name is we created really just a project where we looked at the history of protest songs going back to like woody guthrie but then moving forward you know looked at you know, some of the hip-hop stuff and, and stuff that public enemy did and they kind of brought their own flavor to it i guess and then we decided to just do ukuleles because they're simple and Braden, who is a music teacher as well had access to a bunch of ukuleles, so we taught them just some chords, and we used actually Woody Guthrie's song as kind of our basis, and then they, they each wrote their own verse kind of around an issue that they wanted to talk about, and one of the, the individuals in our band, which we ended up calling um, Morality Unit, which they came up with, which was super interesting, actually, and they kind of taught me something because the person that came up with that name they were doing kind of research for their part of the song and, and they wanted to write a verse about LGBTQ rights. And she brought forth this story that happened here in Edmonton where this unit of police officers raided these bathhouses and humiliated these people and, you know, arrested them and they were taking them to jail naked. I think there was, you know, beatings that happened. The police unit was called the morality unit. Orwellian use of, of language there for sure. She's like, this is a really good band name. I think, you know, she almost wanted to like reclaim that. Yeah. So then we got like stickers made up. We, we wrote the song. We went to Braden's house and recorded it. And then he did all his wizardry. And, and then we did a little tour. <laughs> we took the band on the road and we went to a bunch of elementaries that had us in our district. And I have a lot of friends who are teachers, obviously. And and just kind of emailed them and said, hey, you know, we got this little project. We come and sing our song. 
And so we did it in the gym for one, had like 300 students there. And then one was in the library with about 100 students. So it was super cool to see. And the students that were kind of part of that project and part of the band were generally, you know, they were at the outreach students, dealt with anxiety, weren't really accepted, but here they are performing in front of hundreds of students and they're doing it well and they were proud of what they did. And so it was kind of like that pride same thing that I saw, there was a lot of pride that came out of the student artwork of that those album covers. I also did another project for a different grant called the Poverty Awareness with Skateboards. And so that's where the trickling of the skateboard piece kind of comes in. All of those projects then funneled into the skateboard class. The skateboard class was really inspired by the school in Toronto called the Oasis Skateboard Factory. So that was founded by Craig Morrison. It was actually a program in Toronto at one point, and then it became kind of a school, like its own school. So they allow students to get high school credits and graduate through, you know, skateboard designing their own brands and brand design and that sort of thing. So is Oasis like a school? Like it's like, yeah, I'm a junior at the skate school like is that like yeah so it it does now yeah so they incorporate or integrate their english for example via their things that they have to do in terms of submitting like business proposals so that's where they would get their english mark Um, but yeah it, it is a school it's its own building it's actually well it's not its own building the fact that it's actually inside a community center and that was also by design as well. He, he wanted it to be in a community center where it's accessible. And there's a lot of you know, various messages of having a school uh, inside a community center for sure that kind of conjures up the sense of community and building and whatnot. So I was always kind of aware, being a skateboarder and being an educator, kind of aware of this school. And just thought it was really, really cool. And so I asked him, like, can I use some professional development funds to go to Toronto for a week? to go check out what they do at this school. And my principal said yes. And so I ended up going to Toronto, just hanging out with Craig for the week at the school. I went and checked out a few other alternative schools, uh, kind of what they did, but it was, you know, my focus was what the work that Craig was doing. So when I came back, my principal actually got moved to a different school. And so it, was, it felt almost like that, particular dream of trying to incorporate it thoroughly in, in next step wasn't going to happen. And so I still had a really strong relationship to the principal at Salisbury, the big school. So I, I made the proposal to her. I said, hey, I went to this school, Oasis Skateboard Factory. This is what I want to do at your school. Because I, I see, saw it as more of not a, a school-wide thing, but just a class. So Christian designed the class, got it approved, and it went into the course catalog. And that's how Layla Jonas, the student from the very beginning of this episode, found out about it. I asked her why she decided to sign up for a class called Sal Skate Shop. We didn't have a lot of options at that school that I really enjoyed. So it was a new class being offered and I was like, that's interesting. And one of my friends was going to take it too. So we decided to take it together. None of us were into skateboarding either. So we're like, seems like a class we could get good marks in probably. So then we just kind of decided to sign up for it because there was a lot of room. Why did you think you would get good marks on it? Like, Because it was a first-year program. Normally, it's not as strict. This was not how things played out. No one in our class thought that we were going to get to do any of the stuff that we got to do. 
Like everyone thought it was just going to be simple, easy stuff. Do you remember the point that you were like, oh, wait, this is a different thing from what I thought it was? I think it was when Christian started talking about all the projects we were going to do. One of the very first ones was we got to create our own skateboard. And that was a hard process. I still have my board somewhere and it's like peeling apart almost. <laughs> that took a while. Um, we made our wait, own so you, you literally like out of wood made a Yeah. Deck. And we got to paint them. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it was like once you were making a skateboard deck, it was like, oh, this is not as easy as we anticipated. Yeah. And it was a lot more fun too. Why was it more fun? Christian was a really good teacher. Like not a lot of teachers take that approach where like they're hands on and they try and get to know the students. <laughs> Christian really took a liking to my board. I painted um, a chicken nugget surfing on a wave of sweet and sour sauce. Strong. Yeah. Right. But then my one friend, she did like a really cool artwork thing of like koi fishes. So we have me who's not an artist. And then my best friend who is a really good artist. And Christian encouraged all of like, he's like, doesn't matter if you're an artist. You can still make it. Meanwhile, Christian had got started on what would become the colonialism project. So now I, I have this class and I still continued to apply for these grants. But so I needed some new ideas. And so the labor education grant, that's when the idea I had is I wanted to do uh, skateboards again, obviously being in the skateboard class, but I wanted to tackle colonialism so now what I'm going to do or what I want to try to do is, okay, I need to find someone to work with my students. And so I wanted them to work with an Indigenous artist. And I really wanted to kind of explore the dark history that that word colonialism. It was just like this high idea of Canada's dark history. I really modeled that project after what Michael Agnan was doing at, at Colonialism Skateboards. Michael Langan is an Ashinaabe Cree artist and skater from Cody First Nation and Papikasas First Nation, Treaty 4 Territory. His company, Colonialism Skateboards, inspired Christian's project. It's like, okay, here's a board with a buffalo on it. But here's also on his website the reason there's a buffalo on it. Or if we look at the, like the pass deck, which is one of his first decks, okay, here's a picture of a pass that an Indigenous man needs to have in order to get off his reservation, that like blows my mind that it's on a skateboard. And then you can go to his site and see this description in his words. And then there's references there. Like it, it almost reads like a, an academic journal article with a visual of the skateboard. So I, I introduced my students to his brand, his idea. And that's kind of how I framed him. Like, okay, we're going to tackle this. You're going to tackle this as kind of the youth of today. So how, how do we tackle that? Well, one, like, I think I was quite naive in thinking it would be just so easy. It's like, well, like, yeah, I'm just going to call up a residential school survivor and have them come into my school and talk about their traumatic experience. So like looking back, I'm like, oh, man, but, but it happened. And really, you know, that's where I reached out to Joe and just said, hey, man, like, I didn't know him again. I just reached out to so in social media. And I was aware of his story and I knew him, what he was kind of doing. The Joe who Christian just mentioned is Joe Buffalo, a member of the Samson Cree Nation in Alberta, Canada, and a pro skater. You may have actually heard of Joe Buffalo already, even if you don't pay attention to skateboarding. The New Yorker produced a documentary about his life a few years ago. It's worth watching. There's a link in the show notes. As a kid, Joe Buffalo was sent to a residential school, 
These were boarding schools that indigenous children were forced to go to where they suffered extraordinary cruelty. According to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, at least 6,000 children died at the schools. Canada's CBC News worked out that the odds of dying for children going to residential schools were higher than the odds of dying for Canadians serving in World War II. And for some of the students in South Skate Shop, this wasn't just national history, it was family history. Two of the students had their grandparents went to a residential school. So there was like this deep kind of familial meaning to one really standout. Well, both of those boards really stood out, but you know, one, for example, her grandma attended residential school and she brought in a set of her grandma's earrings that were all beadwork. And she used that as inspiration to do her skate deck graphic. And her skate deck graphic is a headdress full of beadwork that took her hours to do on this board, which is like little dots and, and a Posca pens. And it was really to honor her grandma. And so she would talk about how she had conversations with her grandma about her experience in a residential school. And to me, that was just super powerful. So Mikkel came in. Mikkel, who's a friend of mine, she was an FNMI consultant. So First Nations, Métis, and Inuit consultant. So that's the acronym that they used at the time. And, and then it was like, okay, I want to do this project with my students with skateboards, you know, can you help me with this grant proposal? And, and so, so she helped me lay that kind of like, here, you, you can start with this, starting with this foundational knowledge piece. I'm like, okay, now I have to figure out who I can get in to talk about the foundational knowledge piece. And that's her. She's like, I'll do it. And so she came in and kicked off kind of the whole project. And then I reached out to the artist, Jcat, and then said, hey, you know, I'd really like you to work with my students. Your art is really amazing. And, you know, and so he eventually agreed. And the same thing with Joe. I just kind of reached out through social media, said, hey, like, this is what I want to do. Would you be willing to talk to my students about your story and your experience? And, and um, the same sort of thing, you know, just we built kind of a relationship, talked a few times, and then it kind of all worked out. I want to pause to make sure you understand what the colonialism project was about. The basic concept was that students would do what Michael Langan does with colonialism skateboards. They're going to paint a graphic onto a skateboard deck, that is, the piece of wood that you stand on, that represents an aspect of Indigenous history in Canada, and accompany it with text that explains the significance of the image. To do that, students learned about Indigenous history from Mikkel Blades Bird. The project also had its own artist-in-residence, John Jcat Cardinal of Whitefish Lake First Nations, who shared his work with students and helped them design their graphics. And of course, there was the visit from Joe Buffalo. You may be wondering how students who signed up for a class called Sal Skate Shop felt about getting extensive history lessons. You may be wondering how students who signed up for a class called Sal Skate Shop felt about getting extensive history lessons and whether any of them rebelled. I asked Christian about that. He said there was some of that, of course, but Joe Buffalo's visit really turned things around for those students. And then those students who were like, well, why are we doing this? Then when you bring in Joe, and you're like, holy shit, this guy has some street cred. He's a skater, skates for Colonial. They start to kind of put the pieces together. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, this is why we're doing it. And so the kids are like at the beginning of the workshop, well, why are we doing this? We're the first students to run up to Joe after he was done talking and hung out with him and started asking him questions. Yeah. And so that's why Joe's message and voice is so powerful. For Layla, the guest speakers raised the stakes. If anything, it put a little pressure on the project because obviously it was going to be 
seen by other people than just our classmates and our school. Do you come from an Indigenous background yourself? I do not. Did that feel, like, uncomfortable to you? Honestly, not really, if anything. It was more so, we weren't taught a lot. The spectrum of being taught about Indigenous peoples is very different throughout Canada. I know in some places they don't learn until high school. Some places don't learn at all. I learned, I think the first time I learned it was in fifth grade. But from hearing stories from JCAT, I realized that a lot of the things that are taught in our textbooks not only are wrong, but also they really skim over a lot and we don't get the full story. For her skateboard deck, Layla focused on the Highway of Tears. She explained to me what that is. But it's the stretch of highway that's super, super known for being the main point of where Indigenous women and girls have gone missing or murdered. Like, I did intensive research on this project, and I found over 900 reports of people that have gone missing along this road. Here's what Layla's board looked like. I kept it pretty simple. Like, I just drew the highway points in the middle of the board, like where it starts, where it ends, and certain points along it. And then I did missing posters on the sides, and I did the exact year. And then I had, like, the bloody handprint. That is a huge symbol for that group. And then No More Stolen Sisters, which is a huge slogan for that, too. We've got links to Layla's board graphic and a few other students' graphics in the show notes. Late in my interview with Christian, I found out that he had a personal connection to this project that went back to his days as a teenage skater. I had a friend, one of my best friends in high school, that I skateboarded with it almost every single day. And I didn't find out that he was Indigenous until I was a teacher. Wow. Because I taught his sister at that adult school that I started on my first year, where she came up to me and said, you're friends with JV. I was like, yeah, I, I haven't seen him because... He actually ended up in, in jail for a bit. I'm like, I haven't seen him for years. Like, how is he? I was like, how do you know JV? She's like, I'm his sister. I was like, oh. And in my brain, I was like, okay. Because she, you know, she, you can see that she was indigenous. And he always told people that he was Lebanese. And so here I grew up with one of my best friends who would never say he was indigenous. He was always Lebanese. Because people ask him, well, why is your skin dark? And I'm like, oh, I'm Lebanese. Okay. And I, and I never even thought of it or never really questioned it. Didn't really care. It was my best friend. We would hang out and we'd go skateboard and let's go do kickflips. Like, what does it matter to me? But then reflecting on this project, kind of like, holy cow, man. And then now here I have a student bringing in, in her card that identifies her and she's proud. She has her grandma's earrings and she's proud of this. And she's making a piece of art on a skateboard deck, honoring her grandma and listening to her grandma's stories about attending a residential school. And she's proud. And then the students, there was a kind of a group of girls that kind of worked together and she was kind of part of this group. And all of their boards had this beadwork because of these earrings that were brought in and they would spend meticulous like hours doing these like beadwork on their boards and so there was this collaboration kind of connection piece and then the other side there was another girl named georgia whose board was a very powerful image and she was a really really strong artist and she actually was in my band the morality unit band she was part of the protest song and she wanted to take the skateboard class and she 
did this hand painted board. It was so awesome. People would be like around her and watching her do her art and they would be like, Oh, you're so good. Like, that's so awesome. And there was just a lot of positivity in that class. And she would help students if they wanted her to draw something, she would draw it for them and they, they would use it for their decks or that sort of thing. And so I guess that's kind of when I saw that too. And then, then just it coming all together. So, so with the project, we had all the boards and then it was a Friday. So I reached out to a local skate shop. And so I said, hey, I want to have this art exhibit of these boards in your shop. Are you willing to do that? And they're like, yeah, we can do that. So I wanted to leave it up for a couple of weeks. And so we had to go and, and hang the boards up like, like you would. <laughs> and so we went like a Friday night. And uh, Saturday was kind of our, our opening of this exhibit. So we sent out a bunch of invitations to as many people as we can, educational leaders promoted it and then um you know so that friday night you know there was me and about five or six of the students just hanging out at the skate shop kind of hanging up boards and, and stuff and that was kind of cool too like they were excited and and then the next day they all showed up and their parents came and their friends came and so we had probably about 100 people kind of throughout that day come through the skate shop and see what they did and they were all just there and just super proud of what they did so yeah, those are kind of like those three moments, you know, the, the work that Georgia was doing, what Sparrow kind of did and what she inspired in amongst her group. And then really just kind of the culmination of that and, and setting it up, you know, all of that hard work was kind of like over. <laughs> yeah. Which deck was Georgia's? Hers was the one with the students with their eyes or the red crossed out. Oh yeah, that one was so intense. Yeah, that was the one that sold for about $340. We had an auction on eBay and hers garnered by far the, the most amount of money. Wow. Yeah. It was just so awesome. It's just, it's also hard just to, you know, with pictures, it's really hard to really get the full effect, but it was just phenomenal. And she spent a lot of time. That was all hand painted. Um, yeah. And, and her grandpa attended a residential school as well. And so there was also some, some kind of deeper meaning behind that for sure. Wow. At the start of our interview, Layla told me it had been four years and people were still asking her about this project. I asked her why she thought that was. I think because it's an interesting project for a high school to do. I had a lady reach out to me a few weeks ago about being featured in some magazine for our like for Edmonton about this project and I'm like and I guess Christian sent her my uh my write-up for my uh board which I don't remember anything I put in that write-up so it'll be interesting when this magazine comes out but she said she really enjoyed it and she liked the story and like the idea of it of why I chose the board but I think it's just because no one really would expect like 15 to 17 year olds to pick such a hard subject because our own parents can't even talk about this. Our grandparents, they don't talk about it. So for our generation to actually be speaking about this, I think it's really important. How did your parents respond to the project? They loved it. My grandma, she is very proud of me for it. Back in her day, she did a lot of protests for the union and stuff. So for me to be like using my voice to speak out about it, she is very happy. 
Layla wants to go into journalism, and she traces that back to Sal's skate shop and the colonialism project. There wasn't ever anything I was really passionate about before that class. Like, I didn't really like any of the other options. I, there wasn't any class that I really enjoyed. What did this class make you passionate about? Giving a voice. Like, being able to speak for people that can't or that are too afraid, or even just people that don't know how to express their words. High Tech High Unboxed is hosted and edited by me, Alec Patton. Our theme music is by Brother Herschel. Huge thanks to Christian and Layla for taking the time to talk. We dropped a lot of names and covered a lot of ground in this episode. You can find links to learn more about everyone and everything in the show notes, plus photos of some of the boards the students made. Layla's and George's boards are both there. Thanks for listening.